Bonfire Press and Studio Erbo present Chronicles of the Essence God, Children of the Essence, by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino, read by Michael Goodrick. Chapter 2. Out of the Frying Pan, Into the Fire. In the small town known as Villa del Carmen in Formosa Province, Argentina, it was a busy market day. Most of the town had come out to buy, sell, or more often both, products to anyone that had come to the small town. Some of the luckier vendors were already speaking with people from the nearby capital city of Formosa, showing off their wares in hopes that they could sell crates upon crates and ensure that today was fruitful. To say that the marketplace was chaotic would be an understatement. To say that Celeste Freeman's entry made things much worse was also an understatement. The wind kicked up near a stall of caged chickens, which sent the flightless fowl into a feathered fever pitch of squawks. The cages rattled and shook, the owner hissing at them for silence as he attempted to broker a deal with a local. The wind grew slightly stronger and then expanded out into a small blast that knocked two cages over, sending several chickens rushing away for freedom. In the center of the cages, as the farmer rushed to retrieve his livestock, sat a teenage girl from San Francisco. Her brown hair had been brushed out and fell down well past her shoulders. She had changed from the sweatpants and t-shirt into a nice pair of yoga pants, which she felt looked better and showed her off in just the right ways, and a nicer t-shirt which dipped into a slighted V that was tied up loosely with a bow from brightly colored strings. The closest to sensible she had come in her choice of dress was the runner she wore, choosing those over a cute pair of sandals that she knew just wouldn't work. Shifting out slowly from under the weight of the now empty cages, Celeste stood up, using the wooden walking stick to help her. She pushed a small path out of the way and was immediately met by an irate merchant who was screaming a string of foreign curses at her, his arms flailing about in anger and frustration. She couldn't understand a single word he said, But if it were her, she would probably be cursing too, so she could only assume that was what was happening. The man grabbed her arm and began pointing at the mess that was his stall. She could feel anxiety taking over as she tried hard to catch her breath. Her vision became a faraway stare as she struggled for focus. She looked away from his angry visage to try to get some sense of clarity, but that was lost as a crowd had now grown, watching the two with great interest. Everything here made her feel out of place. The clothes, the mannerisms, the language. She could barely pick up a single word being screamed at her. Barely. One word was shouted repeatedly as the man tightened his grip on her arm, shaking her now. The word and the pain awoke her from her stupor, and she found herself staring at the red-faced man. What did the word mean? She had taken Spanish, but at the time she didn't see it affecting her life in any way. When would she need Spanish? Right now. The word was dinero. She mumbled it to herself, which slowed the man as he began to look at her quizzically. Dinero. 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 Si, dinero. Tienes que percar. The man was insistent, but she was still focused on the one word she was sure she could translate. Dinero. Money, she said aloud, excited. The locals looked at her strangely unable to understand the word she had said. Why were they surprised? 
She was obviously American. Her clothes were so different from theirs, and if you just looked at her... That was when she looked down at herself, and then out into the crowd. Back home, there were a plethora of different races that lived together. But here, everyone was dark-skinned, but like herself. She could have easily been some silly girl from a nearby city who had wandered off and gotten herself into trouble. And now, here she was in a village full of Spanish-speaking people, one of whom she had troubled enough that he was demanding money from her. Money she simply did not have. The man had loosened his grip upon realizing that she didn't speak the language, and she didn't know what was going on. He was attempting to explain things to her, but it didn't matter. She hadn't learned near enough to make out what he was saying, and it all seemed to come down to the fact that he felt she owed him money. Money she simply didn't have. Her senses were coming back to her. Fine, she was a foreigner in a strange land, but she was also a young, independent woman with the power of technology on her side. She reached into her pockets, only to realize that her phone wasn't there. It had to have dropped out at some point. Had it fallen out in her fight with the chicken cages? Or had she dropped it before her trip? The man had now released his grip on her and stepped back, expecting her to pay up. She was running out of possibilities. She had no money, Google wasn't there to translate for her, and she was in a strange land where she only knew one person and was currently being accosted for the destruction of property and possibly the criminal equivalent of releasing chickens back into the wild. Celeste's time in the city had taught her much. Sometimes, you would come across a situation that you just couldn't handle yourself. So, you had only one resource. Thrusting her hand further into her pocket, she clenched her fist around what she wanted the vendor to believe was a wad of money. She brought her hand out and beckoned it to him. He held his hands out with appreciation, ready for his payment. He wouldn't receive it. The young woman turned around and darted off further into the crowd, waving her grandfather's walking stick in front of her to scare off the locals. No one seemed interested in stopping her, though obviously the vendor attempted pursuit. Not knowing the village at all, the young woman almost immediately found herself completely lost. Though, to be fair, she never truly knew where she was in the first place. Her mind cried out for her to always aim for anywhere that seemed less populated, as the marketplace would most likely be the central hub, and keeping as far from there as possible should be your mission. At no point did anyone try to stop her, though they were all surprised by her presence and need to press past them. She soon found herself ducking into a small alley between a row of homes that she could only imagine would be similar to small apartments back home. It actually had her thinking of a tiny home that her cousin Tristan had talked to her about some years back. Supposedly, the apartments in New York City were tiny. She hoped to find out herself, but first she would need to find her way out of Argentina, if she had in fact ended up there as she had attempted. Sitting in the cool shade of the alley, the girl slumped against a wall and cradled her face in her hands, letting the family heirloom that had brought her here fall to the ground next to her. How stupid am I? She asked herself in frustration. I stole a family treasure, teleported to a faraway, foreign nation where no one nearby is likely to speak English. I brought no money, forgot my phone, the one thing I could use to get help or translate for the locals so I could find my way. And all for some guy I met on the internet that was interested in the same stupid crap I am? Celeste had always considered herself an intelligent woman. She did well at school, was on track to join her mother as a future Berkeley alum, and tended to make good choices. 
This entire debacle was not a good example of how she had led her life up to this point. Why did she do this? How was it so important to her to help this person who, besides many amazing chats on the internet, was a complete stranger? Allowing her hands to slip from her face for a moment, Celeste stared down at her mother's prized possession. She ran her fingers along the smoothness of the wooden stick that had captured her curiosity since she was a little girl. What she enjoyed most about it, besides its mysterious qualities, were the bumps and irregularities in the walking stick. It wasn't exactly gnarled, but it wasn't completely straight either. This piece of wood wasn't mass-produced in some factory made out of glue and wood chips and dust. This stick held its own history. Her fingers wrapped around the staff and she took a long, relaxing breath. The people who had used this before her, Grandfather Roland, Uncle Andrew, maybe Barnabas and Uncle Rick, hell, even her mother. Some of them had probably been in similar situations where they were in over their head, but the staff was still here, not lost because they had protected it with all of their beings. She couldn't let this end here in some alley in the middle of nowhere. She had spoken to Andres because he had answers, because he was excited to learn about the essence as she was. She wasn't giving up now. She couldn't. Looking up, she saw clotheslines that hung from window to window across the alley. She had seen old movies and cartoons that had similar scenes laid out. She hadn't expected to ever actually see it. Reaching up, she grabbed a fairly nondescript brown robe that she could pull over her. She was too easily spotted in the clothes she had on and had to blend in. She didn't like the idea of stealing from the poor, but this was her only chance to mix in with everyone else and find Andres. That was the other thing that was beginning to bother her. She had seen pictures of him, yes, but was it actually him? She'd seen the Catfish movie enough to know that luring people in with handsome pictures was a fairly normal thing on the internet. Of course, people having information about the essence wasn't normal, but that didn't make this any less worrisome. Through her robe, she could hopefully spot Andres rather than needing him to pick her out of a crowd. After the commotion she had made in the market, walking around as herself didn't seem like a great idea. Being able to enjoy the town as a local was a completely different experience. There were many friendly nods. No one seemed to be turning from her in fear. She even received some verbal recognition via a friendly hola. The town, from what she could see, was a poor one. Most of the homes were connected, and many of them over the top of or behind shops. The clothing was all fairly simple, but there was something about this life that was so alien to her, and yet comfortable. No living up to other people's standards, looking a certain way to be accepted, or having to beg your mom for the newest shoes to be accepted. Celeste Edmund Freeman could almost feel herself maturing. At least, that's what she was telling herself as she walked through the streets, scanning the faces of the locals, while not trying to look like she was scanning the faces of the locals. Earlier that morning, she had been a 17-year-old girl, excited to see her older cousin and have some cookies. And now, she was in the heart of Argentina, strolling through a small town like she was one of them. Celeste, is that you? A taller, athletic young man who looked to be in his early 20s bent down slightly to look inside of the hood she was attempting to hide herself with. He had short, curly brown hair that seemed to have a life of its own, and tanned skin that glistened from the heat of the sun. Despite being one of the tallest girls in her class, the man stood almost a head taller than she did. There was a shadow over his lips and under his chin, 
that looked like a goatee ready to happen. It was Andres Suarez. Excited to see someone she knew, she forgot about the fact that this was the first time they had ever actually seen one another, and leaped forward and wrapped her arms around him in a huge hug. It wasn't until she found herself pressed against his chest, smelling the musk of his sweat, mixed with a hastily sprayed body spray, that she stepped back and looked away, sheepishly. Sorry, she remarked without meeting eyes with him. I was a little excited to see someone I knew. The young man shot her a crooked smile. It's okay, mi amiga. A good hug doesn't hurt anyone. You just might want to be a little gentle right now. This was a weird thing to say, which forced her to take him in again, though this time with the rose-colored glasses of teenage crush removed. She immediately spotted darkness around his left eye and what looked to be a little bit of dried blood under his nose. She darted in to take a closer look, though he held her back. You told me you needed help, but I guess I came too late, she said, worried and lamenting that she had taken the time to get dressed up and look nice for her new friend. He chuckled slightly and shook his head. No, no. I had already been attacked when I messaged you. They came to my house, beat me, and ransacked the place for anything pertaining to the essence. The two began walking down the street, Celeste keeping her hood up in case the man with the chickens found her. Andres didn't seem to notice. I'm so sorry to hear that. So, you lost everything? Hefting the backpack that sat on his shoulders, Andres turned to her with a slightly sad smile. Everything that I have left that matters is in this backpack. Well, almost everything. His smile brightened some, which in turn made Celeste look away to hide her blushing cheeks. She knew she couldn't resist his flirtatious nature, especially up close. She had to change the topic of discussion or else she wouldn't be able to talk for quite some time. Wait, how did you know it was me? I was all covered up, she said, deftly changing the subject as he led her toward the outskirts of town. The fact that you were covered up and hiding in a town where everyone is dressed for the hot weather is precisely one of the biggest clues. The other being your $100 sneakers, he said with a laugh, pointing down to her feet. The young woman could feel her eyes dart downwards and then close in embarrassment. How did she not consider that for even a second? Andre stopped, looking down the long road and then back to Celeste. This is the route to the place I was talking about. I brought along some snacks and survival gear. Is there anything else you need before we continue? Celeste lifted the walking stick and shrugged. I didn't bring much else besides this. I guess I was too excited to come and help, she admitted sheepishly. Andres eyed the wooden staff with great interest. He took it all in silently for a while as they walked, the road twisting and slowly being overtaken on either side by jungle. The sights and sounds of the village were being left behind when he spoke up. Do you think I could hold it? he inquired, his curiosity getting the better of him. Without consideration, Celeste turned, smiled, and handed him her grandfather's wooden walking stick. He took it gladly, holding it horizontally in both hands, staring down at it as they walked. She enjoyed watching him stare at it reverently, taking in all of the details as she had. That walking stick had seen times and places they probably never would, and it boggled the mind to consider it. Andres was thinking similar thoughts when he asked, So, this is how you got here? You just imagined, and you were here? She grinned knowingly. Something like that, though I'm sure there's supposed to be more to it. Had I known exactly how to use it properly, 
I probably wouldn't have ended up in the middle of the market and created such a disturbance. He barely considered her words as they embarked down a long path that took them deeper into the jungle. He passed the stick back to her after a moment of examining the stone on the very top of the staff. The two continued with some small talk through their journey, though Andres often came back to ask more about the stick. He found that more often than not, his questions were answered by a blank look or a shrug of Celeste's shoulders. There was simply too much she didn't know about the heirloom. Her mother had spoken about it some and had told her of the essence, but answers as to how things worked rarely came up. She wished she could answer the questions and apologized for her lack of knowledge, but Andres seemed not to be bothered by it. Hopefully the answers your mother and my abuela refuse to give us will come when we find ourselves at the temple. His determination excited Celeste as she kept a perfect stride with his longer legs, glad she had worn comfortable shoes for such a long hike. I would love that. My family keeps so much of this a secret. How old do I have to be before they start treating me like I'm actually a productive member of the family who can be trusted with the secrets like everyone else? She asked in annoyance. Andre stopped and took her chin in his hand, looking directly into her eyes. She was lost in his gaze and he smiled down on her. They're fools for not seeing you for the woman you are, my friend. Together, we will learn more about the essence and our shared heritage than they will ever know. Shared heritage? she asked, slightly worried that they were somehow related. He released her and chuckled. We were both born into families that worked with the essence. That links us in ways that go beyond blood. This, this is magic, unlike anything anyone would believe ever existed. She was awed by his words as they continued to walk. The quest, the man she had undertaken it with, the beauty of the jungles of a foreign land, it was all so intoxicating and exotic. She was finding herself lost in it all and reeling from the thoughts. It was quite some time before Andres held back a hand to stop her and put a finger to his lips. She eyed him in confusion, but he ignored the look and pushed aside some branches slowly. As the foliage moved aside, she found her mouth gaping open slowly. About 30 or 40 feet away from the inside of a clearing, she could now see a stone building with what looked like an Incan god staring down at them. The morning had started with her sitting in boredom in her home in San Francisco, and now here she was in the deep jungles of Argentina, staring up at an ancient stone temple like Lara Croft or Indiana Jones. Andres slowly crept forward down what looked to be a cobblestone walkway to a large open entrance. Celeste found herself watching, frozen from the bushes, excitement paralyzing her. That paralysis was only strengthened when Andres stepped upon a stone, creating an audible click that was very soon followed by a jet of flame that erupted from the mouth of the stone statue, directly towards the only friend she had within several thousand miles. Theme music by Carol Cockrell.